Well, good morning. Good, lively conversation from a question that only asked you to give one word. There sure is a lot of dialogue in there. That's good. Uh, my name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here at Soul City Church, and I'm uh, so glad to be with you on Mother's Day. Let me say it again, because uh, I thought my son said it so eloquently. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, it is good to have you with us, those of you who are moms. And you know what? Because sometimes it can be awkward. You're not sure who to say it to. I'm just going to say it to everyone, guys, girls, moms, non-moms. Happy Mother's Day, everybody, okay? So we're all going to celebrate that. Uh, it is a, a, a great day. I'm so grateful for my wife, who is an absolutely amazing mom, an incredible wife, and an incredible pastor and leader here at this church. My mom, who I'll be talking to later on this afternoon, is an incredible woman, an example of faith to me. My grandmother, who is an incredible woman at 94 years old, still actively loving and pursuing God. Um, so I am grateful. It's a good day to celebrate, although we know we're supposed to celebrate mom every day, right? It's a good day to do that together. And so for those of you, there's a couple moms who said yes and amen on that one, so that's good. Uh, it's a good day to have moms and, and, and maybe dads, parents, family in the house today because <laughs> we are going to dive in deep to all kinds of stuff that God wants to reveal to us and say to us about our family. Now, we, we have a phrase around here that I think is incredibly applicable today. One of the guiding principles around here is that everybody's accepted. So no matter where you're at, no matter what kind of story you come from, everyone is accepted. But at the same time, everyone's expected to grow. So we're going to do some really honest diving in deep to our story, our family. And uh, we expect and we are counting on God to grow us in the process. Because we're in a series called Relationship Revival. We're looking to God's Word. We're going to look at two specific passages this morning that speak directly to our relationships, both in the past, present, as well as future relationships. We're doing this because we believe God actually has something to say to our lives and to our relationships, and that while many of us try and go it alone in our relational world, God actually wants to not only come alongside, but to lead and guide and guard and grow our relationships. And so we're going to look to his word for that truth this morning. Listen, what we're talking about today, if you're dating, and you're in a dating relationship, this is really helpful stuff for you to understand your own story and the story of the person that you're potentially considering spending the rest of your life with. If you're married, this is incredibly applicable stuff because you realize that you not only brought like a whole bunch of baggage to the marriage as well, your spouse seems to have brought even more to the marriage. And so what has caused maybe some good tension or as we talked about last week, strong conversations in your house, uh, this might help you both understand and invite God into your story more. Those of you who are parents, this is critical stuff that we're looking at this morning. We're going to dive into what we learned and picked up from our parents and our family and see how that might shape and transcend and invite God in to even transform what we give to our kids. This is critical, critical, critical stuff that so oftentimes in our culture and sometimes even in the church doesn't get talked about enough. I'm not sure what the word is that you use to describe your family. Now, there's a lot. Some of them uh, great, fun words. Some of them words you don't uh, say in church. Uh, the word I would use for my family is uh, Stories. We have so many wonderful stories. Now, again, we, you know, I, my family's just as, you know, got just as much stuff as your family, but we have some great stories that have really been the glue to our family. About two months ago, our family actually got together for my dad's 70th birthday. Now, we hadn't all been together, all the kids plus the parents, for over six years. It was just hard over the years to bring everyone in, all the kids and all that kind of stuff. We were able to come together for 48 hours and celebrate my dad. And I'm telling you, it took us about five minutes. And we are into telling the same stories that we tell every time we get together. 
We have heard, we have told, we have experienced these stories, all of us, so many times. And yet we continue to tell them because they kind of bind us together, they hold us together. Many of the stories uh, come from when I was much younger, when our whole family was together under one roof. In fact, I actually want to show you a photo of my family from when I was just but a wee lad. So why don't we put it up on the screen if we can. Yes, there was a time. It was called the 80s, and this is what it looked like. Some of you weren't even born when this picture was taken. So just so you know, uh, I'm the guy in the bottom right corner that's just, like my son, just way too cool to be here right now. Just way too cool, rocking the butterfly collar like nobody's business. And uh, so you can see for my family, I have three other brothers and my sister, and there's my parents on the the left. My dad was rocking a beard way before hipsters. And uh, uh, this was my family. And many of the stories that we share when we get together now, today, uh, so many years later, come from this time. And I'm telling you, if you would have told me when that photo was taken there at, at Olin Mills, when that photo was taken, <laughs> come on, we were all there at one point, how significant that circle would be for my life. There's no way I could have comprehended it. Now, I was seven, so there wasn't much I could comprehend at that age. But I had no idea how significant those relationships would be in shaping the relationships throughout my life. And it's not even that our family is necessarily super close, that we're all super tight, or that we're all each other's best friends. It's not that at all. It's that there were things that I learned and we learned from that first circle of relationships that literally have had a ripple effect in one way or another, positive or negative, on every relationship I've had since. And it's true of your family too. No matter what your family looked like growing up, it's just as true for you too. That our families of origin have a huge impact, have a huge shaping effect on just about every one of our future relationships, including your current relationships that you're in right now. Now let me just kind of back this up with a little bit of data here. Uh, this is coming from Paul Meyer and Frank Minnerth, who've done a lot of work on family of origin and divorce and how all those things affect different family dynamics. Listen to this. If, you, if you're wondering how much that original circle has affected each and every circle in your life today, just listen to this. About 85% of us, this is coming from Meyer and Minnerth, about 85% of us end up marrying someone very similar in personality dynamics to our parent of the opposite sex. from their research marry someone similar to our parent of the opposite sex. Their conclusion is we continue what we got used to in childhood. We're looking for people to pick up the script and play the part that we grew up with. Uh, New statistics coming out of the University of Utah on family and all kinds of uh, family roles say this about specifically in regards to divorce. Uh, They say that the risk of divorce is 50% higher among couples where one spouse is a child of divorce. So for those of you who are engaged or those of you who are married, if one of you comes from a divorced family, statistically speaking, certainly not speaking specifically to your story, statistically speaking, odds of divorce that they found in their research, 50% higher. If both of you come from families of divorce, it's 200% higher. And listen to this, children of divorce are 50% likelier to marry another child of divorce. So can you see how critical it is? If God isn't allowed into our stories, we will repeat the patterns that we picked up from that first circle and those first relationships. Think about parenting. Psychologists and family experts have overwhelmingly concluded 
that what we end up doing as parents is either a reflection of what we learned in our home growing up or a reaction to. It's either going to be a direct reflection of, so we just find ourselves doing the things that our parents did the way that our parents did them, or it is a violent reaction to those things. But all of it are connected back to what we learned and what we picked up from our parents. Maybe you found this, those of you who are parents, to be true. You've had kids and you're kind of going about and you find yourself saying things that your parents said to you. Maybe that you swore you'd never say or you never even thought you'd say. Small, very small example. When our kids burp uh, and, and do other things that kids do, and they say, excuse me, I, I found myself lately saying, well, I should say so. <laughs> now that is something I would never say to you. But it's something my mom said to me and my brothers every time we did those types of things. Well, I should say so. I, well, that's not how I talk, but it's how I heard my mom talk. And so now I'm repeating that phrase to my kids. That's a small example. There's a ton of examples from how you discipline to how you deal with your resources as a family to how you deal with family like being together time, how you deal with watching television. All these things are either a direct reflection of or a direct reaction to what you learn from your parents growing up. You think about your friends. Where is it that you think you learned about friendship? I want you to think about our small group uh, that I'm part of was talking, this would be about a month ago, we were talking about friends and having significant friends and what that's like and why it seems so hard, at least this is a, a men's small group, why it seems so hard for us. And there's about seven of us who'd broken off and were having this conversation. And to a person, as we went around the circle, we realized that our dad's did not model healthy male relationships and friendships to us. That, in fact, we couldn't think of a deep, close, personal male friend that our dads had growing up. Now, that was just our circle. You have to wonder, though, what did you learn about friends from your parents? What you began to practice on, on the schoolyard was something that you learned in the family room. See, this you can't escape this stuff, as we're going to see from God's word here in a second, you just can't sort of escape it or, or run past it. It has major, these original relationships have major implications on just about every relationship in your life. And it doesn't matter if your family of, or of origin growing up was close or, or not close. It doesn't matter if they were a, a broken family or a blended family or a shaken or stirred family. It doesn't matter where they came. It doesn't matter if they were a Christian Family or not Christian family, statistics hold up all the way across the board. Same number of divorce rates in Christian homes, same number of addiction in Christian homes, same number over and over and over again. It doesn't matter what the context was. The reality is every single one of us is a part of reflecting or reacting to the relationships that we grew up with. Last week, we spent some time exploring in our uh, beginning to kick off of this series the strengths and struggles that we bring to our circles. And I don't know if you were here for that, but I thought it was a really powerful exercise to look at the strengths and the struggles that I bring to every relationship. And we did, we did like a pop quiz here in church. We took time to write down what is it that I bring to every circle that I'm a part of, either a strength, a gift, or a, a struggle, or an opportunity for, for growth, even a place of hurting, and we might hurt others based on who we are. So the question for us this week as we dive into our family of origin is, where do you think you got those from? When it comes to the strengths and struggles that you bring to every relationship, the way that you go about relationships, whether it's friendship, dating, marriage, family, where do you think you learned it from? 
Where, where do you think you have taken your cues from? Just, just about every psychologist, every Christian counselor, every Christian scholar would point to the fact that there is a repeating of patterns learned that comes from our family of origin. It's something that's actually illustrated beautifully and painfully throughout the Bible. In fact, there are stories of families in the Bible that you can watch for generations. And let me just say a word right now, because I know it's already feeling a little heavy, and your mom's wondering why you brought her to church on this Sunday, right? I understand. Let me just say a word of encouragement of what we're about to look at here in the Bible. Uh, These families in the Bible were incredibly messed up, way more messed up than you and your family. So what I want you to do is just take a little encouragement as we share some of these stories from God's Word and how these patterns of these relationships are repeated throughout history. Just if, you know, if you need to just say it out loud, just say, at least I'm not as bad as them. That might help you because that's what makes the Bible so rich and so good and so powerful is that there are some powerful stories of some broken families and patterns that continued for hundreds and thousands of years. The very first family, Adam and Eve. Their story changed when sin came in and they were deceived by God and then attempted to deceive God himself and hide from God and skirt their responsibility. Just one generation later, their sons, Cain and Abel, have some jealousy, some conflict. And there's murder in the family. And there's, that's my phone. Excuse me. Let me just take this real quick. Uh, <laughs> Sorry about Please silence your phone and my phone. <laughs> Early on, there is jealousy, even murder, and then it's followed by deception. The pattern continues. That's the first family. Abraham, a major character, major figure of faith in the Old Testament. Early in his story, doubts God's goodness. Doubts that God will provide for him. There's even a moment in his story where he deceives those around him pattern of deception continuing, lies about who his wife is, says his wife's actually his sister to spare his own life. You jump two generations down from Abraham to his grandson, Jacob. Jacob comes out of the womb as a deceiver, steals his brother's birthright by deceiving him, then tries to deceive his father steal it from him, then ends up on the run and is in fact, later on in his story, we've studied this here at Soul City, is deceived by his uncle. There is a pattern of deception that finds its way through the generations. You can't escape from the stuff. You cannot run from the stuff. You think of David, King David. The Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. This is someone greatly favored and blessed by God. King of Israel. Israel's first good and and really great king. Yet he has one fatal flaw. It's women. In fact, one specific woman, her name is Bathsheba. He commits adultery with her, and then to cover his tracks, he deceives everyone, there it is again, by murdering her husband. The child that they conceive is born and eventually becomes king as well. He has a little bit of a problem. It's women just like his dad. And in fact, Solomon is married to, the Bible tells us, has over a thousand wives. And because I love my wife and this is being recorded, I'm not going to add any commentary to that. But that's a bold choice. 
That's a bold choice. That is committing to that pattern. So we see it repeated again and again and again and again and again all throughout Scripture, all throughout these families that we can trace and track and watch the genealogies throughout the Bible. We see the patterns and patterns and patterns repeated. It's like that old George Santayana quote that those who not learn from history are what? Doomed to repeat it. And if we were to take that idea and that concept and apply it to our own lives and look at these stories that we've been looking at in the Bible, I think we could reword that, phrase, that quote to say this, that those who do not invite God into their family history are doomed to repeat it. Just statistically alone, as we looked at a second ago, then you look at the pattern again and again and again throughout Scripture. If God is not invited in, guess what? It's just going to be stuck on repeat. And the context may look a little different. The details may be a little different. And maybe it skips the generation here or there. But until God is invited into your family history, you are doomed to repeat it. And that's not my words. That's everything else that we've been looking at here this morning. And so the real opportunity for you and for me here on Mother's Day is to invite God in. To invite Him in. To even maybe some of the stuff that is difficult for us to go back and turn around and look at. To some of the stuff that maybe we didn't think had significance, but that God, in his loving kindness, wants to come into and give new context to, and to bring healing and hope. And so often what I've found in my life, and maybe you've found this to be true for you, is that it's those very things that I want to run from that God wants to walk into. It's the things I want to run from. I want to run from my past. I want to run from this broken relationship. I want to run from the things that I've done. No regrets, no looking back. And God's going, that's awesome. I actually want to walk into that. And I want to bring into that what only I can bring into that. Healing, hope, purpose, a new context. And so what we want to do is spend the next few moments doing just that. Inviting God in. Maybe for some of us for the first time, maybe this is something you've already done, so this has become a little bit more natural to you, but... We think it's important that we invite God into our family story, especially on a day like Mother's Day today, for us to say, you know what, we want to have God-honoring relationships, not only from the past, not only in the present, but also in the future. And so if you would grab in your seat back in front of you, there's a little exercise. And we're just going to spend a few moments. If you were here last week, you know we did the same thing. We believe in homework around here at Soul City Church and actually having these moments lead to movement in our life. But I know, and we know how our lives are. We get busy, we forget, so we're going to do a pop quiz this morning. We're going to get, have you like, have an opportunity to start your homework here in church, and then my hope is you're not going to, my reality is you're not going to be able to finish all this. But you can get started now, and it'll provide maybe conversation and work for you to do this afternoon and throughout the week for you to continue to invite God into your story. What we're going to do is give you a few moments to look at your grandparents as best you can remember, as best you know, and were there strengths and struggles that they brought to the table? I'm serious, like we're going all the way back. And if that's a little too hard for you, maybe you didn't know them, maybe you didn't remember them, skip over that, go to your parents. What are some strengths that they brought to the table? What are some struggles that they brought to the table? If one of them was around, then just obviously do that one. And if you can, if there's time, start to look at some of those patterns that maybe have been brought over into your life. All right, so we're not going to spend a ton of time on this. You don't need to worry about it too much. In fact, we're going to put a little timer up on the clock so you know that this is going to end. For those of you who this is uncomfortable, this will be over in just a minute or so. In fact, it'll be over in two minutes and 38 seconds. And to help you move through the process, we're going to give you a little theme song to help you work through it. But let's spend the next few moments focusing in. And if your mom or dad are here, just turn your shoulder away from them and write your notes down, all right? So go ahead. You have two minutes and 25 seconds to get started. 
Alright, you got about a minute. And no pressure. Just see how far you can get. seconds. Alright, good. Pens down. Very good. Now here's the deal. It's okay that you didn't get through it. It's not really designed for you to get through it. Now it's designed for you to get started. And the reason we're taking time to do this in church is because we don't take time to do this anywhere else in our lives. And unless you've hit maybe a major family crisis or you've hit a major snag in your family, this is stuff we don't tend to pay attention to. And yet, here's the great thing. It's stuff that God cares about deeply. It's stuff that we tend to walk past or even at times run from, and it's things that God actually wants to lovingly, patiently walk into. So I don't know what maybe came up as you were looking at that, and maybe you see, oh my gosh, I think I picked this up from my parents. I think I learned to be a pessimist from my mom, or I think I learned to be a workaholic from my dad, or I think I, my grandfather had this, and then man, my dad had this, and I think I have it too. It's amazing when you start just to stop and dig in the dirt, just a little bit of your story, to see what God brings to the surface and what he wants you to pay attention to. For, for me and my family, a strength that kind of comes through throughout the board is fun. We love to have fun as a family. And my, my dad really modeled this and kind of set the pace for this. We are a very, very, very fun family. And one of the things that we love to do, we play practical jokes on each other all the time. My dad loved to scare us, which doesn't sound fun. But he would wait five minutes in a dark laundry room just to catch my mom walking through to the garage. Like, there's a commitment to scaring our family that has not carried over for Jeannie. She is not having any of that. So there's tons of strength. I go, oh, I'm so thankful for this. And I can see how that was passed on. There's a sort of legacy of faith from my grandmother to my mom to me. I, I can see that. I'm grateful for that. But there's struggle just as much as there is in your story as well. One of the things from our family is that there is a struggle to um, face and walk into difficult and painful things. We're very good at not talking about the things we should be talking about. And, and, and we've talked about this even as a family. It's something that my parents learned from their parents. Why would you talk about that? Why, why do we even need to talk about that? Just kind of move on. Keep on moving. Maybe you grew up in a family like that. Where everyone knows it. It's everyone knows what's going on, but no one's talking about it. And, and my family has, just as much as your family, difficult chapters, painful chapters. Chapters that if God were fully invited into, we could actually all grow from. But for whatever reason, there's a struggle to face those things, to name those things, and to walk through those things, to even trust each other with those things. And so we all walk around with our shared secrets, but none of us talking about them. 
Every one of us has strengths and struggles in our life that we learned from our family of origin. And unless God is invited in, the pattern continues. And it will only continue. And I know personally from our family that the turning point for our family, from sort of just repeating what my dad had learned from his parents and they learned from their parents, my mom doing the same with hers, there was a turning point moment for our family a turning point moment that is possible for every single one of us here watching online. It is, it is possible this morning. It was when my parents decided to join another family. It was a point in my parents' life where they took seriously what it means to have a relationship with God. And in so doing, in so doing, they became a part of a bigger family that literally changed the story, that changed the trajectory of our family. It certainly did not make everything perfect, far from it, but it changed the story of our family by them entering into a new family. And I want to show you from God's Word what that looks like and, and, and how that can actually happen even today for you and maybe your family. So if you would grab your Bible, if you brought one, or if you didn't, there's blue Bibles right in front of you in the seat back. We say this every week, we believe it. This book, God's Word, has so much transformational truth for our lives that we don't want anyone to miss it. And so if you don't own a Bible, this blue Bible you're grabbing is now your Bible. If your mom doesn't own a Bible, you get to steal a Bible from church for your mom on Mother's Day. Nothing says love like a stolen Bible. So if you would turn to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, it's page 1043 in the blue Bible. Romans chapter 8, what does it look like for us to enter into a new family? to be a part of a new family where God is our perfect parent and we are his children. This is Romans 8, verse 14. We'll put it up on the screens as well. Please feel free to underline in the blue Bibles, write notes. We'll all benefit from that. That's what it says, Romans 8, 14. And I I, I always say this, when I pause, that's your time to speak up, okay? So there's cheat sheets all around you. You have Bibles, you have it on the screen. So when I pause, please speak in. This is what it says, Paul is speaking to the church in Rome who had lost their identity and he's using two metaphors, that of slavery and that of family. And Paul says this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the what? Children of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, that means who are in relationship with God, are actually children of God. This is a very important metaphor that God repeats throughout the scriptures. It's a very important key to your identity when you enter into a relationship with God. It is not just a personal relationship between you and an unknown deity somewhere out there. It's not just religion. Religion cannot save your family. This is a relationship that we have with God where you are his child. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves. It means bound to those old patterns, those old ways, stuck in that generational pattern after pattern after pattern. No, You don't have to live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your what? Adoption into sonship. Now, let's just hit pause right there. The word sonship is not a word that we use at all in our context. But in that context, in Roman world at that time, there was no one lower on the totem pole than an orphan. An orphan had no rights and no protection. And so if you were an orphan in that culture, you might as well be dead. You didn't stand a chance, barring maybe, maybe the grace 
of someone adopting you into their family. And so what Paul is saying here is very important. This idea of sonship, about your adoption to sonship. What sonship means is that it's, it's referring to, in that culture, in that custom, the rights of the firstborn. You might be familiar with this. That the firstborn in that culture, specifically the firstborn male, hence the word sonship, received all of the family's blessing, all of the family's wealth, the family's name, fame, fortune, legacy, all went through the firstborn male. That's how it worked in that culture. And so what Paul is saying is, now when you enter into relationship with God, you are literally adopted, scooped up off the dirt into a family, but not just into a family. You're brought in as the firstborn son. You are entitled to everything God has to offer. Every single one of you, male, female, it doesn't matter what your story is. When you enter into a relationship, you become his child. He is your perfect parent. You are like a firstborn, entitled to God's very best, all of it. Another word is that you become an heir of all of God's. You become one entitled to all of God's best. It's very important. Your adoption is into sonship, that firstborn. And by him, by the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. That word Abba may not be familiar as well, other than like a shout out to a Swedish disco group. It's deeper than that. The Bible's a little bit older than that. That word is literally Aramaic, translates to the word Daddy. It's a very soft, intimate word, Daddy. Very personal word. When we enter into a relationship with God, we are not only brought in, adopted, scooped up off the dirt into firstborn status, but we know him as daddy. This is the great and mighty God of the universe, creator of all things, who says, you know me now as daddy. You are my beloved child. This is what it means to have a relationship with God. This is why religion cannot save you or fix your problems. Only a relationship with God. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We are adopted into, brought into a new family. That's what it means. That's where our story and our family changed. It certainly did not make everything perfect, but it changed because my parents began to live by, began to live by a new set of rules. My, my parents began to live out of a new relationship. I thank God they did because it changed and shaped and directed my life. And maybe you've seen that in your life as well. And if that is so, you need to thank God and thank your parents because it is a huge trajectory shifter. But maybe that's not your story. That doesn't mean that you are not invited into this type of family and that that type of work can begin with you. Into the type of family where God is a perfect parent and where we live by a whole new way of being family. Remember when you were uh, a kid and you would go over for a sleepover at someone's house? You ever do that? And you go and you realize very quickly, although you might not have put words to it, they do things differently at their house. You realize that? Like sometimes maybe it was as simple as just bedtime. Like they didn't ever seemingly have to go to bed in their house, right? I remember for me it was a small thing. We weren't allowed to have sugared cereal in our house. It was the one part of Amishness that my parents kept. And so we didn't have sugared cereal, but I remember going to a friend's house. It seemed like that's all they had. Like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's just going to be lucky charms for everyone. And I loved going to his house, 
right? You learn very quickly that in other families, they do things differently. They do discipline differently. You ever have a friend whose parents disciplined harder than your parents? That's awkward and uncomfortable. You ever been to a a friend's house where there was no discipline in the house? Ever go to a friend's house where they did money differently? I had a friend who, I was a great close friend, but he was spoiled rotten. In fact, so much so that I remember there were times when I was, you know, 13, 14 years old, and I, I liked being friends with him just because, but his parents began to buy me things. And I don't know if that was to secure me being friends with him. It, it, it worked, but <laughs> I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. You notice really quickly when you go to someone else's house that there's different rules, don't you? Same is true with the family of God. It's different rules. We, we're diff- this is a different kind of family. This parent is perfect. This parent is always loving, unconditionally, always patient. This parent never leaves. This parent always loves. This parent knows you better than you know yourself. This parent created you and is desiring for you to be all of who he created you to be. This is a different kind of family. We live by a different way in the family of God, a way that is meant to be a gift and a blessing, not only to the world, but to our old families. In fact, the Bible talks about this again and again and again throughout the scriptures, but there's one passage that I think really paints it beautifully and practically and gives some handles to what this will look like. And this is going to be some of our work for this week. So if you'd turn to Colossians 3, Colossians 3, in the, in the Blue Bibles, it's page 1090. This is a beautiful passage where God paints out what it looks like for us to be a part of his family. Just one passage of many, but I want us to camp out on this for just the final few moments here. What does it look like to live in this new family? And how does that begin to help us understand and make sense of and bring healing to and even move from, not run from, but move from that family to these relationships, to our future relationships? This is what the Word of God says in Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, in other words, therefore, as God's family, His family, His chosen, holy, adopted into sonship with God. As God's chosen people, His family, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. Now, this is a new way of living. Put on these things. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Let's hit pause right there. I want you to think about the family you grew up in and and do those words model the family and the relationships that you grew up in. Because this is how we do it in God's family. We're compassionate with each other, kind to each other, humble, gentle, patient. We bear with each other. That means that we stay with each other even when it's tough. Hear that? We stay with each other even when it's hard. Bearing with means not bouncing. We stay with each other. And we forgive one another, which is the only way we can actually bear with each other, is to forgive one another if we have any grievance against someone. We forgive because God has forgiven us. And over all these virtues, the text says, to put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Paul goes on to write, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body or one family, you are called to peace. And then he just kind of throws it at the end. And be thankful. Don't forget that. And be thankful. Look, this is what it looks like to live 
In the family of God, there's kindness, there's gentleness, there's humility. That We stay with each other even when it's tough. We forgive each other because we know that we've been forgiven and we will need forgiveness if we don't already realize that. We love each other. We're grateful to God for each other, even with all of our beautiful and broken parts. This is what it means to live in the family of God. This new family gives whole new meaning to my old family. It's a whole new way of living. And it's what God has invited every single one of us into. It's what my parents said yes to. Maybe yours did too, maybe not. That doesn't mean that you can't say yes to it today. That doesn't mean that you can't literally, by God's grace, put a stake in the ground and say, no, we are going to do it God's way. In these dating relationships, <laughs> I was modeled this statistically. I, I, there's no way I'm going to make it in this relationship. But I believe with God as my perfect parent, there's a way. In your marriage, you already see some of the old patterns. Her family, his family starting to creep in, maybe literally. You go, no, no, no. There's a new way to love these families because I'm a part of a new family. And you're parenting with your kids. It feels like you just feel so over your head and over your head. You are. You cannot do this alone. There's a perfect parent who wants to come alongside you and lead and guide and guard you to say there's a new way. And it will look differently from what it looked like in the past. But it can change. It can change not only how you look at that relationship, but how you look at these relationships and how you will look at those relationships in the future. It's a relationship that starts primarily first and foremost, with your Heavenly Father, with God. In fact, there's a prayer that I'd love for you to write down in the, the back of your little reflection here, because I, I, I really do hope that you continue this throughout today. Our hope and prayer is that this would start a process and a conversation with God, but we want to kind of wrap it in this prayer that we're all going to commit to praying together this week. And the prayer is simple. It's just this. God, how does life in your new family help me live with my old family? God, how does life in your new family help me live with my old family? Help me live with the family of origin that I come from, from maybe the relationships that are part of my past that have most shaped me and are most a part of my story. God, how does life in your new family help me live with my old family? And they may not still be alive, but their legacy in you is. And the patterns maybe that you picked up from them still are. So God, how do I live with that if you are my perfect Heavenly parent, you are the one who's in control. God, how do I live in light of that? And what I want to do is, is put up the passage that we looked at at Colossians 3 for a second. And I want to actually go back to the list, if you would, uh, to just maybe think through, God, what are, some, what are some places maybe that you're inviting me into? When it comes specifically to your old family or maybe it's some of the new relationships, you're saying, God, if you are going to be my perfect parent and I'm a part of your family, God, what are, you, what are you showing in me that you want to grow in me? What do you want me to pay attention to? Is it extending compassion? Is it extending compassion maybe to my family or maybe the present relationships that I have? Demonstrating kindness? Starting with humility instead of starting with I'm right, you're wrong? Instead of starting with, I've got this figured out, you don't, I start with humility. I approach with gentleness instead of harshness. I practice patience because I realize they're not perfect, neither am I. I practice patience 
that God has just as much to grow in me as he does in them. I begin to bear with, I stay with, even when it's hard. I'd be the first one to forgive. You know what the reality is in this room? Some of you in this room are holding grudges for people who aren't even alive anymore. You are still being controlled by that anger and that hurt. They're not even around anymore. For some of you, it's 5, 10, 15 years. What would it look like for you to be first to forgive? Because that's how we do it in this new family. Because God's forgiven us. To love honestly. To not not just sort of do it on days where it's Mother's Day or Father's Day, but to love honestly honestly and well, and to be thankful to God for those folks who he's brought into your life. What do you think God is asking you to pay attention to? And how might life in his new family affect, change, shape, give new context to your old family? What I want to do right now is ask you to say, okay, God, I know there's stuff I need to pay attention to. I want to pray for you because this is big stuff. It doesn't get fixed in a 30-minute message. We, we just get to start here. And what I love about our church is that we say it starts here, this moment here, but it moves to movement throughout our lives and our week. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is I just want to pray over you because I know this is big stuff for you and God to wrestle with. So would you just kind of put your notes down for a second? Would you actually stand up so I can pray for you? And in a second, we're going to sing and we're going to cry out and thank God that he is who he is and that we actually have potential and we have the possibility of relationship with him. But can I first just pray for, for each of you? And maybe even as I'm doing that, you need to just pray, oh God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. It is hard enough for me to love the people in my life right now, let alone some of these relationships from my past. But you know what? In God's family, it's possible. This isn't a perfect family. We have a perfect parent in God. It's possible. It's actually possible. I've seen it in my own family. Maybe you've seen it in yours. I pray that you do. So if you would just close your eyes for a second and think about the relationships that God is bringing to your mind. Just kind of push everything else aside and go, okay, God, whose name is it that you just keep bringing up? Is it a parent? Is it a sibling? Is it a person from my past, God, that I've just tried to run from that you're actually saying, no, you want to walk into and walk me through? How is it, God, that you want to do that? What is it that you want to grow in me when it comes to patience and kindness and gentleness and forgiveness? Maybe for you, you're realizing even this moment, you've never even known what it feels like to be a part of the family of God with him as your perfect and loving parent. And you know how hard it is to do relationship on your own. You know how hard it is for you to make sense of it all. And so maybe this morning, the step for you is to say, God, I want to start a relationship with you. I think I've been kind of taking a stab at the religion thing. That hasn't done much for me at all. But if it's possible to have a new life and a new way in your new family, then I'm in. And maybe your prayers, I pray for you right now, is just that. God, would you come into this broken? Would you adopt me, scoop me up out of the dirt and bring me into your family, into sonship, into that one who is deserving and earning of all of your goodness and greatness, not because of who I am, but because of who you are. God, I pray for us today, that we would be the type of church in a world where people just bounce from relationship to relationship, where people run from their past and never pay attention and assume that you never want anything to do with it. God, I pray that we would be the church that would stop and would turn around and say, no, God has something for me in this. And as painful as it may be, or as difficult as it may be, or as challenging as it may be, or as long as it takes, I am going to walk into this with God. I want to know, God, what you want me to know about my family, about my story, about my past, 
so that I can walk into a healthy and God-honoring future. God, we don't want to be the kind of church that tries to run forward without turning around and walking with you through our past. So God, we commit ourselves. I pray, I pray, I pray that we'd continue the work of inviting you in this week, of allowing the truth and the transformative power of your new family to shape every relationship we have across the board. God, you've called us to something greater than our culture could ever muster up on its own. You've called us to something greater than our family could ever produce on its own. It's only because of you that's in relationship with you and your family. And God, I pray, I pray that our hearts, our lives, we would desire nothing more, nothing more than you. Thank you for all of who you are. Thank you for what you're creating us to be. We pray this all in your loving name. Amen.